Today, a very special presentation, a beautiful time in the Lord. I had a class with BHI, just the, this last class we just did, that I really want to share with you today. I was teaching on the Day of Atonement, and there were different ceremonies in the Day of Atonement. One of them is the sprinkling of the blood over the mercy seat. And what God did in the class was so beautiful. I want to share it with you because his presence was so rich. And the Feast of Israel is not what uh, is really what I'm teaching on now. And I taught on Passover, which of course was fulfilled on the cross. I taught on unleavened bread, which was fulfilled when the Lord took our sin. I taught on first fruit, which was the resurrection. I taught on Pentecost. And then I'm now into teaching on the third uh, headline of feasts called the tabernacle. But the tabernacle began with trumpets, which is the rapture, then day of atonement, which is the cleansing of Israel. But it has more than that also about what the Lord fulfilled and what that means in our life. And so right now, let's go and be a part of this beautiful class uh, that I taught our students. We are up to 4,000 students. I'd love for you to be one of them. And I teach on Mondays, I teach on Thursdays, and now we have something very exciting coming up where God is opening a door to join with a very uh, amazing uh, school out there that I'll tell you about more later. But I wanna bless you today with this teaching from BHI. And uh, then I'll come back and pray with you. But watch this and you are going to be blessed. God love you. Anyways, we were talking about the Day of Atonement. And we were talking about the different ceremonies which are important to understand. The first ceremony is mentioned in Leviticus 16, if you recall. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 12, verse 14. And that's where the Lord commanded Aaron to not to come into the holiest, which is the holy of holies, except once a year. And, uh, and then we also looked at the washing ceremony and how that applied in the life of Jesus in our life. Both of those ceremonies apply. And today we're, we're going to look, and we also looked at the linen garments and uh, the change that took place. But I think we need to go through that just one more time very quick because there was something I didn't cover. So let's go to Leviticus 16. And we're going to look at verse 4. And remember, we talked about two different times that the garment uh, was changed. It says, and he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre, or turban, shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and put them on. Now, when you go to verse 23 of the same chapter, 
we read this. <clears throat> and Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place, put on his garments, and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people. So on this day, Aaron laid aside the garments of glory and beauty mentioned in Exodus 28, if you recall, verse one to verse five. And now he, he put on, according to verse four, if you look at it one more time, he put on a linen garment. So he had removed the, uh, what he wore as the high priest. And now it says in verse four, he shall put on a holy linen coat, a holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle, with a linen mitre, which is like a turban here. Shall he be attired? These are holy garments. So, if you can look at me, I can explain. He had to take off the garment or garments of glory and beauty which he wore at all times, mentioned in Exodus, if you recall. And I think we could maybe look at that just one more time in case somebody missed it or someone wasn't in the class with us. So let's go to Exodus and let's look at chapter 28. And these were the garments he wore at all times. And on the day of atonement, he had to remove them and put on just white garments, called he linen garments. So look at verse one, it says, and take thou unto the Aaron thy brother. This is God speaking to Moses and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And then he said, and thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and beauty. These were not the same garments we see in Leviticus 16. And he said, and, and you will speak, verse three, and thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now watch the, the garment here of the priesthood as it's described so beautifully. And these are the garments with which they shall make a breastplate, an ephod, a robe and a robe and a broided coat and a mitre and a girdle and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his son or his sons that he may minister unto me in the priest's office and they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, of purple, of scarlet, and fine twined linen, 
with cunning work. So uh, this portion here describes, if you keep reading still, it describes the garment of the high priest, which is called the garment of glory and beauty. And of course, it, it, it's described in, in such uh, elegant uh, uh, details in this chapter in verse 7, verse 8, verse 9. Now, you know, I'm not teaching tonight or today on the garment of the, of the high priest because there's a lot of details here that is for a different teaching, but that because we're teaching on the feast rather than the garments of the priesthood. So he had to remove all this. He had to take the, the beautiful, you know, breastplate off, all that. He had to come off. On that one day of atonement, and he had to put on a whole different garment. Leviticus chapter 16, again verse 4 and 23. And now he's, he's to put on holy linen garments, linen breeches, linen girdle, linen mitre. But these were, these were white garments for the Day of Atonement. And now he had to wash his flesh before he went in, in verse 4. And then in verse 23, he was to go into the holy place. And it says, he will come into the tabernacle of the congregation. And now he's to put off again what he put on outside. He will put them off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place. He will leave them there, meaning the holy place. He will wash his flesh a second time with water in the, in the holy place. So imagine, he had to wash in the outer court, he had to wash in the holy place. And then he was to go out into the outer court and offer burnt offerings for himself and for the people. So he had to wash, put the garments back on, go outside and offer two different animals. A burnt offering for himself, another burnt offering for the people. So what how does this all connect with the Lord and you and I? Well, first of all, if you remember uh, that the Lord laid aside his reputation in Philippians, meaning laid aside his, his priestly, high priestly garment. Let's go to Philippians for a minute. Wow. And if you look at, at verse 5, it's quite amazing. He said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness, in the likeness of man. So he put off his godly form And then the Bible says in verse 7, he was made in the likeness of man. That's a, an additional revelation of the taking off of the garment of the high priest once a year. That the Lord did that one time only, where he laid aside the garments of beauty and glory, meaning his, his place as God. You see that? And now it says, in being found in fashion as a man, verse 8, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So not only was the Lord the high priest who laid aside his garment, he also became the sacrificial offering. That's glory. And he did not offer that offering for for himself he offered it for us the high priest had to offer two animals one for his sin one for the uh, for the sins of the people but the lord laid aside his beauty his glory took upon him the form of flesh and how beautiful in this verse it says in in verse 6 who being in the form of God, he laid that aside. Made himself of no reputation, verse 7. Took upon him the form of a servant. Was made in the likeness of men. That is another laying aside of that garment. Fulfilled in Jesus. Because before the high priest could go into the holy place to offer these sacrifices for the sins of himself and the people. He could not go in with the garments of the high priest. Instead, he had to put on white garments, speaking that Jesus, when he would come in flesh, would be sinless holy. And he would wash himself before he would even put those holy garments on, white garments. And then he would go into the holy place, put off the white garments, wash himself again, put the garments back on, go outside and offer the sacrificial offering. And when you read Philippians 2, you, you get a much bigger picture of what the Lord did for us. And so it says in verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the, of the cross. And there you see seven incredible steps from the throne to the cross. So beautiful. So 
and you know, again, this is a fabulous revelation of what the Lord did for us. But now, let's talk about something else. So he laid aside his reputation, his glory, died on the cross. So now, we can approach God with the righteousness of Jesus. How beautiful. Now let's, let's talk about, and, and we, we, we talked about the washing already earlier, so there's no need to go through that again, but you recall I talked about the washing, the two washings of the high priest, the two washings of the Lord, which we, we discussed. Now, let's, let's look at, at, at something else that, that happened. Let's look at uh, Leviticus one more time. We're going to look at chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 14 this time. And here is another uh, part of the ceremony. So you all recall the different ceremonies on the Day of Atonement. Number one ceremony where God says to Aaron, only once a year can you walk into the Holy of Holies. Ceremony number two, you have to wash twice. Number three, change your garments twice, which the Lord did. And I think we covered most of it, if not all that part already. Now, let's look at something else that the high priest had to do. And that is in verse 14. He shall take of the blood of the bullock, sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. So here this is, this is very prophetic of the perfect work of atonement that Jesus would bring to us his people so the Day of Atonement uh, for the church, really, is the fullest manifestation of the power of the blood of Jesus. Because that's what brings the church to perfection, making an end of all sin, iniquity, all transgressions, all sins. That had to happen for us. Now, remember, in this amazing uh, revelation here, he shall take of the blood of the, of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. That was fulfilled on that glorious day when our precious Redeemer shed his blood seven times, just like that sprinkling had to happen. And I preached on it, I taught on it, I want to remind you, the blood was shed seven times. The, the blood of Jesus shed seven times. And every shedding of blood has a lot of meaning for us. Number one, it was shed in Gethsemane. When his sweat became blood, why? To heal our emotional state. to heal our soul, basically. 
And the Bible says in the, in the Gospels, especially in Luke, because Luke was a physician who understood that, how when the Lord was in Gethsemane fighting against sin, as Paul says, his sweat turns to blood. And we know from doctors that kills. If, if ever anyone goes through that kind of stress, it will kill him. Now, there's an amazing book called The Chemistry of the Blood by Richard DeHaan. You really ought to read it, all of you. Now, whether true or not, uh, Richard DeHaan talks about the fact that how that kind of stress turns someone's black hair white. We don't know that's what happened to, to the Lord. But he, he says in his book, called The Chemistry of the Blood. That is an incredible book. It's an old book. Where in, 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 in the Song of Solomon, it says that Jesus had black hair. And there is a scripture about my, my beloved has black hair and so on. And in Revelation, he had white hair. Now, what Richard DeHaan says is his hair changed from black to white in Gethsemane. True or not, we don't know. But he said it's scientifically proven in his book, Chemistry of the Blood. He said it's been proven uh, medically that that kind of stress will turn your hair white. I'm not saying this is what happened. I cannot confirm that. I'm not a doctor to even talk about it. But think about the, the, the kind of pressure the Lord was under. So he, he took the heaviest load that can ever touch you upon himself. You talk about people today with mental health. Mental troubles today is big, in, especially in this country. There is no way you can imagine the kind of mental pressure and physical pressure and emotional pressure on the Lord himself in Gethsemane. And that happened to fulfill the seven sheddings of blood. But that by itself to me is the most amazing, deep love of Jesus that I can talk about. That's why he said, it's not my will. Think about, think about that prayer. Let this cup pass from me. He knew the difficulty of that moment. Beyond any one of us can ever imagine what that means. But not my will. Catherine Kuhlman said many times, the victory of the cross happened in Gethsemane when the Lord said, not my will. That's when the victory really happened. Wow. Hallelujah. The second shedding of blood that we see here, where the high priest is, is applying blood towards the mercy seat, towards the east, seven times. 
the second shedding of blood that was fulfilled in the Lord's life was in the house of Caiaphas. When you look at the most remarkable uh, descriptions in God's word. Look, look with me at verse 5 and 6 of Isaiah 50. Go to Isaiah 50. And, and think about this for just a moment, will you? The Lord God hath opened mine ear. I was not rebellious. Now this is the Lord Jesus talking. Neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters. And the Hebrew is those who struck me. I, I gave my back to those who struck me. And my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair. Or my beard is the Hebrew. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That was fulfilled, and we see it so detailed beautifully in the Gospels. What it says, they buffeted him in the house of Caiaphas. They pulled his beard off. You read it, it's all there in the Gospels. Fulfilling Isaiah. Can you imagine the kind of blood that was shed when they pulled his beard off? When they punched him, that's what buffet means. When he was so disfigured, he could not be recognizable as a human being. And there's more, I mean, you know, so powerful is God's word about this. Look, look at, at verse 14 of Isaiah 52. What an amazing description of what happened to his precious face in the house of God. As many were astonished at thee. In other words, astonished, like they, they were in shock. His visage or his face, whose appearance, was so marred more than any man. That word marred, nishhat, is the Hebrew. He, uh, the English said disfiguration or disfigurement, marred. And one Hebrew translation says corrupted. Like it didn't look like the face of a human being. Disfigured. Corruption. Marred. Wow. So powerful. And, and one definition in the Hebrew word is to decay, 
to ruin, to cast off, to destroy, to utterly waste. That's what the word means. Marred. It says, marred more than any man, more than any human being ever, ever, ever in history. That's happened in the house of Caiaphas. And his form marred more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Isn't that amazing? This is all in there that the high priest would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat. And Isaiah says that his, his disfiguration, not only face but body, would sprinkle the world with blood. Wow. Incredible. That all happened in fulfillment of what I just showed you from Leviticus. And I don't think the high priest himself even knew what this all talked about, what this meant when he was applying blood like that. So that's the second. The third uh, sprinkling of blood happened when the Lord went to the praetorium before Pilate and they put a crown of thorns on his head. They crushed his skull, by the way, with thorns. And every one of those sharings of blood was for us. The first one for my emotional state, your emotional state. The second one for my appearance one day to be transformed into his image. He paid the price for you and I to look like him one day. We shall be like him. Wow. And number three, his skull. The thorns, speaking of the curse, by the way. The blood was shed to deliver us from the curse that has touched our life as a mind. To give us a brand new mind that is not cursed. We have the mind of Christ. Think about what Jesus did to heal mental illness to anyone who comes to him and to give us a new mind like his mind. And what was the fourth shedding of blood? You all should know that. When they whipped his back. It says more, more, he, he was more, more than any man, his form more than the sons of man. There is a most remarkable a remarkable presentation of the Shroud of Torino. And they, and they describe, these scientists. One was the Jew that got saved? Yeah. yeah. One of them got saved. He didn't even believe in any of that. And he was saying how uh, from the Shroud they can tell that the body was beaten with metal. And it was quite large pieces of metal. That, huh? Like shaped like dumbbells, so heavy, and and they destroy these these dumbbells, whatever you call them, destroy organs. 
And by the way, all this idea of 39 times is not actually biblical. Wait, wait, don't go yet. It's not actually biblical or actual when it comes to what happened to the Lord. It's biblical under the law, 40 times less one, you know, Paul talked talk, talk about. But that was, the ones that whipped him were not Jews, they were Romans, which means they did not fulfill the Jewish traditions of whipping. And please hear that. So I used to, to teach, well, 39, you know, uh, whip, uh, 39 times because there's 39 major, major diseases. I was wrong. This was years ago back in OCC. There's way more than 39 diseases in the world. There's brand new ones that didn't exist back then. There are hundreds of diseases. Hundreds, not just 39. And a lot of Bible teachers, oh, well, you know, they, some of them forgive me. After a while, when more and more diseases were being shown that they exist, some of those, I hate to say it, but some some preachers that I honor, God love them, had to, to add and say, well, you know, that's 39, you know, like headlines. And finally, you know, more and more diseases kept added. It didn't even make sense what they said anymore or even what I said year, years ago. But they actually show scientifically that he was, he was hit hundreds of times, hundreds of times by the Romans. And, it, it, and they talk about how the blood that showed on the, on the cloth because of, the, of its color, that blood like this should not look like it does on the shroud. But scientifically, that's the color when you beat a body like that where the blood gushes out of the organs. And now we understand more Marred more than any man. Who else you think in history ever had that? Nobody. And what an amazing Lord we have to be able to even carry any cross to Calvary. After that, if your organs were destroyed by all this metal, how can you even carry a cross, a heavy cross? That's why Simon of Sarin was called over to, to, to carry his cross. It's amazing he even could walk. Could we even just walk to Golgotha? It's not like that, that cross was sanded. Oh, and that cross was not exactly smooth, you know? Can you imagine pieces of wood going in his flesh as he's walking, carrying it? I mean, so, you know, I've got to paint that horrible picture to you because it was a horrible uh, uh, act of hate and demonic uh, 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 action against him. What an amazing man Jesus physically was to survive all that. That, it, it, that he didn't die when they beat him like that. Who could survive such beating? So we have to kind of go back to marred more than any man, his face and form. And now, the, the, and that's for our healing. Think about how much it cost him to heal you. That kind of pain, that kind of tormenting pain for our 
deliverance from sickness. And it's nothing to dismiss lightly, you know. And then, you know, on the cross, now he carries his precious cross to Golgotha, to a mountain, a mountain, with all the, the, the blood that he had lost, with the agony and pain in his body already, before he ever made that hill. And now they nail his hands. Charity, come here a second. I'm going to show you something. Give me those crosses. Uh, uh, this. Give me this. Give me the, the thorns right there. This, they say, now, this is thorns. A few times I, I actually touched this, and it actually, I bled just from touching it. If you should touch those thorns right now, it's painful right there. That is what they put on his head, and probably worse, worse than that. Yeah, part of the video is said, why would the Romans take the time to make a nice little ring? It was most likely a bush based off the, the shroud. Yeah. There was a bunch of holes on the skull of his head. Because they, they saw the holes on his head. Come here. You two guys. Touch, touch us the edge very, 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 very carefully. See how sharp that is. Huh? Now you've, you've, you have touched it. But look, look at the, at the size of these, of these nails. That's what they put in his hands. Look how that is exact, an exact replica. My God, I feel the anointing just talking about this. In his hands went this nail. Now, some believe it went right here. I don't really believe it because it says his hands. It doesn't say his wrist. And they wonder, well, you know, if you put in in your hand, it'll tear it off. Well, the Bible says hands. Why are they changing what the Bible says? Including preachers? No, it didn't say, that's a wrist. That's not a hand. This is a hand. His hands. And it's, it's important to say his hands because the blood was shed that my work will be accepted, my ministry, because it speaks of work. You know, I don't work with my wrist. My wrist is a part of my arm. It holds my hand, for goodness sake. And those same nails, and that's the fifth shedding of blood. And then those same nails, this massive, his feet. Two of them, right there. Two of them. For my walk. Your walk. That we can walk with him. He paid for our walk to be righteous. Think about that. That you and I cannot fail because Jesus paid the price on Calvary for you to walk. And anyone who says, I can't walk with, with Jesus, has just rejected this act of incredible grace. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And yes, you will walk with him. And then his side. 
So you talk about this verse that people dismiss. Oh, the seven sheddings of the high priest. I don't know what they mean. Well, I just showed you what they mean. Or a part of what, because there's way more that we don't know. Because we were not there to see it. We know from the Bible what it says. And just that alone shakes every part of you to the core that Jesus would actually do this for you and me. Amazing love, truly. Now watch what it says. Let's just keep reading, can we, here? Then shall he kill the goat, verse, verse 15. I'm going back to Leviticus 16. Because I like to read right through verse 21. It's in a full picture there. Are you people sensing anything in your heart? Isn't that precious? Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering. That's for the people. Bring his blood within the veil. This is after he sprays the blood. Now they have to kill another animal. A goat for sin offering for the people. Bring his blood within the veil, meaning the Holy of Holies, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, another seven sprinklings of blood fulfilled on the cross. And sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And then it says, and he shall make an atonement for the holy place itself. because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions and all their sins, so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of the Rahmis. The blood, the seven sheddings of blood, you listen to me now, real good. They just cleanse away sin and do and accomplish what I just said, the healing of your soul and the healing of your face or appearance and the healing of your mind and disease and your work to be accepted, your walk to be accepted and to be, you know, born again. That's what it means that, you know, they pierce the side. But that same sec, uh, that, that same shedding of blood, it says, was for the holy place and the tabernacle, meaning, meaning, that every one of you today can be used of God with a clean vessel. It's not just about coming into heaven. It's also for service in heaven, for service in glory, not just on the, on the earth, but also in glory. Jesus paid that we will serve God with a clean, holy vessel, righteous vessel on earth and in heaven. Heaven. Therefore, the shedding of, of blood, the shedding of the blood of Jesus prepared you a house in glory. And I'm not talking about a house like a mansion. I'm talking about a house, a new body. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 talks about how he's waiting for his new body, his new house, his new tabernacle. Don't you miss this now. This is glorious. Because Paul talked about, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, quick. Paul talked about how 
when we put off this earthly house, this, this, and he, and he calls this also tabernacle. I'm reading verse 1. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building or a, a new body of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, this present dying tent we're wearing, all of us, we groan, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. In other words, get a new tabernacle. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. He that hath wrought us for the self, self same thing is God. And when did he pay for it? When he shed his blood. Because the seven sheddings of blood also purchased the new body that you have already in heaven waiting for you to receive it. Hallelujah. It's mind-blowing. So Jesus paid for this body to be cleansed and also for a body to be received when this is too old to exist. And it says, God has also given us the earnest or down payment of the Spirit. Now we know we have a new body coming. But Jesus paid for that. That's why when you go to Leviticus, it says very clearly that the blood was shed for the tabernacle, for the holy tabernacle, which is our new body, our new body. So he finishes by saying, therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, we're absent from the Lord, because we walk by faith, not by sight. But we're confident I say, and willing rather to be absent from this old body that's dying and wearing out, to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. That's my greatest desire today as a human being. Wow. So why all this amazing revelations of Leviticus 16, where now we're looking at verse 15. He, he takes the blood of the goat and he applies, he sprays it seven times again. And then verse 16, he's making an atonement now for the holy place, for the actual tabernacle of the congregation. Wow, talking about our new bodies. That's the tabernacle of the congregation speaks of our new body. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the tabernacle. And there shall no and there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he, the high priest, goes in to make the atonement in the holy place 
until he come out and have made an atonement for himself, for his household, for all the congregation. And then it says, and he will go out to the altar, meaning the altar of sacrifice outside in the outer court. That's before the Lord. And make an atonement for it, shall take of the blood of the bullock, the blood of the goat, and put it on the horns of the altar. That's the work of the cross. There's a lot of beauty here. And then he will sprinkle of the blood upon it that's on the altar of sacrifice. He's to go out now and spray seven times again. Cleanse it seven times again. Hallow it for the uncleanness of the children of Israel. The altar of sacrifice speaks of the cross, people, of the cross. So now Jesus is on the cross and the blood is now shed again. So when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the, uh, of the congregation and the altar or the cross. So look what, what he, he cleansed. Now, Reconciliation is complete for us. It says, when he hath made an end of reconciling, uh, reconciling. Now for the tabernacle, the holy place, our bodies. And then for the altar itself to be, to be accepted. Meaning the blood of the cross accepted. Now something begins to happen here. Don't miss this. That is when the power of the blood of the cross becomes available to you and me to use against Satan. Because there is no power in the blood without the shedding of blood of Jesus. Come here. Chatty, come here. I want to say something to you that you have got to hear now. They could not apply the apostles disciples could not apply the blood in the Old Testament against the demonic. Because Hebrew says, Hebrew says that power is released with the death of the testator. So there was no power in the blood of Jesus till he died. Prior to the death of the Lord, he cast out demons with his word. But past the death of Jesus, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Oh. Oh, is that why Pastor Maxwell White always preached yes. the blood of Jesus? Because before the blood was shed, demons left when he said, leave. Wow. Today we need the blood to say leave. And the reason when people say leave and the devils laugh at them, there's no blood. There's no power in the blood in their life. They don't know how to use it. Revelation 12, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the Word and the Word. So now we need both Word and blood. Before the cross, the Word did it. After the cross, the Word and the blood will do it. That's why there is tremendous power in the sign of the cross that people have lost. 
To this day, Catholic priests cast out demons by holding a cross. And the Coptic Church in Egypt, they walk in with a with a cross, and the devils flee like cowards. That's is that why in Acts there were seven Jewish uh, teachers trying to. Yeah, because there was no, uh, they they did not respect the blood of Jesus. That's why the devil said, "Paul, I know Jesus. I know who and who are you, boys?" And they tore them up. Wow. That's why. One more time, hello. Listen here. It says he also shed the blood for the altar itself in verse 20. For the altar itself. The seven sheddings of blood were one to reconcile us, the people. Jesus shed his blood seven times so we can be reconciled to him. Two for our body, for the tabernacle. And three for the altar itself. What is the altar? There, there, there would be power in it. There is power in the cross itself. And I think most Pentecostals have lost that. They see it as a, a piece of jewelry here, you know. No, forget the jewelry. There is power when we say the cross of Jesus. I come against you, devil, by the power of the cross of Jesus. You can go like a coward. Try it out. You'll see it works. Wow. You know what I feel like? I'm telling you, I just, I sense the anointing. I got to move here. I got to do something now. I want you all, whew, I want you all to lift your hands to heaven right now. Okay? Jesus, wonderful Savior, Jesus. Jesus, what a wonder you are, Lord. Lord, bring healing. Your power declare through your blessed word. Your power declare through the power of the cross and the blood. You said, Lord, to us, in your name, demons will flee. Sickness will flee. Bondage will be broken. And Lord, right now, I'm sensing your blessed anointing. Pray you'll heal your people and set them free from any bondage. In Jesus' holy name, touch everyone calling on your name right now. In your precious, wonderful name. In Jesus' name, Lord, we receive that healing. Lord, bless your wonderful people. And I rebuke that sickness and I rebuke that disease. And I command that infirmity to go in Jesus' name. And the, by the mighty part of your blood shed on the cross for us, we may be whole. Whole. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, where, where you are, just pray out loud in the Spirit. 
canta mula al fe pialba carime, mente, mente, kentele mo, piolbo, piolbo, kuntumane. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. The Lord is telling me somebody with severe sinuses is getting healed. Severe sinuses getting healed right now. Is that you? Are you, are you? are you sensing the anointing on you? Thank God. And someone, keep praying people, keep praying in the spirit, keep praying in the, in the spirit. I see someone's right behind your, right there in the upper part of your back. God is healing that whatever you've had, pressure or pain or something, it's leaving now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of you have also had a pain in your in your chest. You feel you feel warmth right now going through there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A lot of pain in somebody's throat, but I think it has to do with some kind of an in, infection. That pain is, is leaving right now. Lord, use Pastor Pedro. Let your healing anointing touch his hands. Thank you, Jesus. You that want God to use you, just stretch your hands towards me. I'm sensing on my, something on my hands. Lord, let your anointing touch their hands right now. Let your mighty anointing touch their hands, Lord. Move mightily. Some, some of you feel like a tingle on your hands. Do you guys? I'm sending it on mine. How many of you feel like a tingling on your hands, this wave? Yeah. Including Larry's feeling it. Lord, use them to bring healing to the sick. Use them, Lord, to bring healing to the afflicted. Use them to bring healing to their families and loved ones, neighbors and friends. In Jesus' holy name, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Did you sense the Lord's anointing that we all did? I pray you were blessed today. I really pray you were blessed. And I pray that the Lord will speak to you about joining BHI and be a part of BHI because we're, I'm giving the class some rich teachings, rich teachings from the Word. And uh, I'm almost done teaching on the Feast of Israel. The next teaching will begin in about a week or so, the next uh, lesson. And I want you to be a part of this. And I believe you, you, will, you will be strengthened, you'll benefit spiritually in a blessed way. It's only $25 a month to be a part of BHI. And all you have to do really is just go to our website and sign up. Our students are from all over the world, many of them in full-time ministry. And I pray the Lord will speak to you about joining. Well, anyways, thank you for joining me today. 
And now it's time to give to the Lord's work. I pray the Lord will speak to you about giving and sowing seed in his work. And I want to pray with you right now that the Lord will really, really bless you financially and increase you financially and protect you financially as you sow in his work. Thank you for joining me daily. And I know most times it's just you and I, you know. But today I wanted to do something different. And every so often I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do a special presentation like this because uh, lately I've been ministering in different cities and I want to share those with you too. So Lord, bless your sweet people today as they give. Increase them on every side, Lord. Bless them financially. I pray they'll never lack financially. And Lord, whatever need they have today, that you'll supply it supernaturally, supernaturally in your precious and holy name. I give you the praise, Lord, for what you're about to do in their life. Bless them, bless their children and future financially. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can give right now to Benihid Ministries by uh, sowing right on the platform you're watching me on. Or you can go to our website, benihin.org, or simply text, which I think is the easiest. And that's with your phone. That's BHM45777. All right, thank you, and I'll see you again tomorrow for another blessed day. Thank you for being with me. Honestly, I so love having you with me. And thank you for being a child of God who loves Jesus with all your heart. Much love. Bye-bye.